Genesis chapter 39. And a little bit of context, this is a story about Joseph. Everyone say, Joseph. Joseph. Good. Uh, Joseph is, uh, he's a young character in the Bible, and I, I think it's really easy for us to relate to him because his story starts from when he's a young boy. And basically the backstory is, at a young age, Joseph has 12 older brothers. He is like the fave, and his dad gives him this sweet coat. They call it the coat of many colors. But in other words, it represented favor. In those days, if you wore some nice clothing or you wore something with colors, it represented wealth and favor. So all of his older brothers who had probably earned more and done more and been in a place where they should get the recognition that Joseph, as the youngest, got, they see him wearing this coat that represents the favor and the inheritance of their dad they see this, and they're like, man, this sucks. He, you, you see this all throughout Scripture, the, the, the last person somehow getting the first prize. And, and so Joseph's got this coat, and his brothers are like, man, let's just kill him and take his coat. Literally. So they're about to kill him, but his oldest brother's like, man, I don't think we should kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. And so they throw him in a pit. Sell him into slavery. He gets taken away, and they think that he is long dead. Okay, so fast forward over the course of months and years, Joseph goes from being a slave, but because God's favor was on Joseph from a young boy, Joseph found himself working up the ranks, even in prison. He's literally in prison. And he's going up the ranks. He's earning favor with the prison guards. And he's, he's earning favor with people who see him. And they're like, this guy is not the average inmate. And somehow he works his way up the ranks. And so we find him in this story, in this part of his story, where he's living now in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is a rich, uh, he's an influencer, he's a ruler. He's under the Pharaoh's guide. And he is, I mean, he's a big time guy with a lot of authority and a lot of influence. And he's living in Potiphar's house. And he is in charge of everything that Potiphar has. Potiphar is literally given everything that he has, all of his stewardship, all of his money, all of his books, all of his housekeepers, all of his staff, everything that is under Potiphar's influence, he's now given to Joseph to manage. This is crazy. So he's given this all to Joseph. So he's, he's Potiphar's number two, and this is where we pick up. In verse six, it says, so Potiphar had left everything that he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, Potiphar, listen, this is interesting. Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. Side note, there will be times where your favor brings you to places where it is no longer somebody else that is managing your character. Now you're in charge of it. I'll say that again. There will be times where God opens a door for you. But if you're not careful, you won't have the character that will maintain the opportunity that he gave you. So God opens a door for Joseph, but then Potiphar takes his hands off, meaning now Joseph is in charge. It's one thing for you to do well when somebody else is in charge of you. It's another thing for you to do well when the person in charge of you gives you authority and now sees how you're going to handle it when you're on your own, when you're by yourself, when nobody else is watching, then it will reveal your true character. Anybody can follow a rule. It's a lot harder 
to enforce the rules upon yourself when nobody else can see it. But it's interesting because Joseph over time had developed the kind of character that when put in a situation where there was an opportunity for him to take what was not his and probably get away with it, he had developed the character over time to be able to withstand the pressure that came on him. The question is, are we allowing to God to develop character in us that will give us the ability to withstand the pressure that I'm not saying might come, I'm saying it will come. We live in a day today where pressure is on its way if it's not already on you fully. We live in a day where tomorrow and the next day and the next day, you will be faced with opportunities to compromise the favor that God has given you. And the question is, will you allow now, when you don't feel the pressure, for God to develop the kind of character and conviction in you so that when the pressure comes, you remember who you are. And you remember what God has called you to. Some of us, we don't know who we are, and we don't know where God has called us. So when we're in the moment of pressure, we wonder, did God really bring me out of that? Did God really say there was something ahead of me? Did he really say that if I step into this, that I might step out of it? I don't know. Man, maybe I can just this one. I mean, no one's around. No one's going to see. And tomorrow, the grace of God is going to get me up. So what we do is we develop a lifestyle of compromise. And we wonder why we lose the favor. Anyways, that's one verse. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. Joseph was in charge. Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, much like me. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me, you cute. But he refused. With me in charge, he said, listen, listen, listen. He said, with me in charge, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything that he owns, this is crazy, everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one in this house is greater than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you because you're his wife. He's withheld nothing from me except for you because you're his wife. But listen to this. Then how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day after day after day, lurking around each corner, hey, Joseph, want to come make out real quick? <laughs> Hubby's out of town. But daily... Daily, he refused to go to bed with her or even, I love this, one-ups it, or even be around her. Some of you are flirting with the thing that's inviting you into your compromise. And you're a moment away from giving into it. So although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be around her. One day, he went to the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. This was her moment. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But I love this. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Ran out of the house. 
We'll stop reading here. I want to speak this idea. I want to speak on this idea tonight. The cost of your compromise. The cost of your compromise. If you want another title, you can title it Run Out of Your House, Drop the Cloak. I don't know. Get away. If you have a friend who's named Potiphar and he's got a wife, avoid her. Let's pray. It's hot in here, okay? Whatever. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, the, the privilege that we have to gather together as imperfect people who are worshiping a perfect Savior. God, we're here to recognize that every day we, we tend to fall short. We're not perfect. We mess up from the best to the worst, from the tallest to the shortest, from the nearest to the farthest. God, none of us match up. But we're not here to gather around that. We're here to gather around the person who said, though you don't match up, I do, and I will take your place. So God, we're here to recognize that you love us, that you are in our corner, that you're cheering us on, and that you look at us when we find ourselves in the pit and you say, I'm going to lift you out. I'm going to set your feet on solid ground. So if any of us, God, is in here in a place or a season or a lifestyle of compromise, we thank you that you see us and you see what could be, not just what is. And so tonight we invite you in to remind us of what could be, that you would take us to that place. Because on our own we cannot, but with you we can go further than we could ever imagine. And we believe this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. How many of you, uh, you're fair people, any, any fair people? I'm talking Puyallup fair. Now, if you're not familiar, if you're a new Washingtonian, you might call it the Washington State Fair. But if you do, you're a heathen. You don't deserve to live here because it's the Puyallup Fair, and it will always be the Puyallup Fair. Can I get an amen? Thank you. The Puyallup Fair. And uh, I... Uh, I I was there recently. Noel and I have a tradition every year. We go to the Puyallup Fair, and uh, we go with a couple of our friends. Actually, David, is there, is there that back massager sitting on the chair back there? I think I left it back there. Could you bring it up to me? Oh, he's got it right here. And uh, we, were, we were at the Puyallup Fair, uh, I want to say it was two years ago, with our friends Spencer and Arianne, and, and we're there. And one of our traditions is we like to go into the Expo Center, and uh, you ever seen one of these things? Like, uh, we go into the Expo Center, and we're, uh, one of my favorite things is to stand on the, the thing that jiggles you, and it makes you feel, it makes you realize real quick that you have a lot more fat than you realize you had. And, but they say that it can cause you to lose weight, so I will have eaten my corn dog, I will have eaten my deep fried, deep fried Oreo, I will have eaten my curly fries, I will have eaten my scones, I will have drank my milkshake, and I'm standing on this thing, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell them, like, go do a lap. I'm going to stay here. Come back to me. I'll be 10 pounds lighter, and I'll be ready for you. So I'm standing on this thing. I love these things. And it, and it, and it just, the, the faster you do it, the, it kind of hurts in here, so you can kind of feel it burning. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but here's the funny thing. Has, has anyone here ever been in someone's house where they have one? No, you haven't. You're lying, Kendra. No one buys them. Why? Because they're, they're not real. They don't do anything. But I remember we, Noel, 
Noel had just had Jude a couple months before. And, uh, you know, we, when you have a baby, you, you hold them a lot. You rock them to sleep. And you're sitting in rocking chairs. It can mess up your back. And, and so Noel's like, or maybe it wasn't Jude. Maybe it was, I don't remember what it was. But so, so she's like, my back's been hurting. We go up to this, this place that is selling these back massager things. And Noel's like, oh, I want to try one of these. And so you, you put it on, you know, you put it on, and I don't have it plugged in, but you just, and it gets your neck, and you can move it all around, and, and you just hold it like this. And so we're talking to this lady, and I'm telling you, she's a good salesperson. Like, she's real good. She's like, I'm a mom, and I've been in your boat. I know what it feels like. My back, months ago, my back was hurting, and then I picked this thing up, and it has changed my life. It has changed my life. And I'm telling you, it's the last night of the fair. I'm going to be moving to eastern Washington. You're never going to see me again. This might even be the last stock of these on the planet. Okay, I'm exaggerating. But she's, I mean, she's selling these things hard. And Noelle's like, Taylor, my back really does hurt, and this is making me feel better. You ever been in one of those things, like, where you're tricking yourself into thinking that you're getting results that you're not actually getting because you want the thing so bad? That's what we're doing. So she's there, and I'm like, well, I want your back to feel better. And the, she's like, tell you what, we can do payments. We can do whatever you need. You fill out this thing. You can pay for it later. You can pay for it now. You can put it on layaway. We can ship it to you. Whatever we need to do to get this in your hands, because it will change your life. She's only 100, I think it was 130 bucks, 140 bucks. So we're like, what's $140 for long-term sustainable health in your entire life, right? And so we're like, $140, long-term, eternal, sustainable health and wellness. I mean, we'd, we'd pay $1,000 for that. And so, so long story short, we end, up, we, we end up getting this thing, and we take it home. And Noel's like, I'm so glad we got this. Taylor, do you think we made the right decision? Oh, yeah. You're feeling better. I'm happy. When you're happy, I'm happy. This was a great investment into our future. Let me use it. We're trading it off and all this kind of stuff, and it's awesome. And so Noelle's mom comes over the next day, and she's like, ooh, let me try it. And so she puts, puts it on, puts it on her neck and her back. She's like, oh, I'm getting one of these. And so she goes home. She goes online and finds one, and she buys it. It turns out hers was $30. <laughs> and it was the same exact Freaking back massager. The same exact one. I'm talking same logo. I'm talking same font on the logo. Same power buttons. Same order of the buttons. Same power cord. Same everything. And we're like, we just got duped. I want to spend another $150 on gas. Drive to eastern Washington or wherever this lady lives. And give her a piece of my mind. I was so frustrated because I realized that we had been sold something that we thought was a steal, but really it was stealing from us. You ever been duped into something like that? Has anyone ever? Like you've been duped into an online deal and you don't realize until next month when you get the bill that you just signed up for a 12-month agreement? Me neither. Um, but it's funny because we think we're getting something but in reality, 
we're getting more than we bargained for. And this is the paradox of compromise. Hear me, hear me. Because in that moment, I knew, I knew, ah, we should wait. We can find one online. I knew this isn't going to work. I knew this is a scam. I knew this is, they'll do whatever they can to sell at the fair. I mean, it's the fair. Who buys a back massager at the fair? (laughs) This guy does. But this is the paradox of compromise. The paradox of compromise is that you win in the short term, but you lose in the long term. The paradox of compromise is that immediately you get pleasure, you get happiness, you get to feel something that is otherworldly. I mean, it's amazing. It feels good, it looks good, it tastes good, it sounds good. But scripture says in Proverbs that there is a way that seems, everyone say seems. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it always leads to death. And it's funny because what compromise does is it looks at the door of death and it says, maybe there's something in there that I want. And every time, because it looks nice on the outside and there's lights on it, and we can, we can hear what's going on on the inside. We think, oh, this is going to be amazing. This back massager, it's going to change our world. And in other places, they're $400. I mean, literally. $400? No way. $30 on Amazon. And it's funny because the paradox of compromise is that in the short term, you get exactly what you want, and it feels great. Yeah. You ever compromised with anything? You ever been on Whole30? Me neither. Um, (laughs) Where on the first night you drive by Taco Bell and you say, well, you know what? I can eat meat on Whole30. The tortillas aren't real. The cheese is probably fake. I'm sticking with it. But then the next day, because you've been on it for a few days, when your stomach starts to do its thing and you're sitting on the toy toy, you know what I'm talking about, Dumb and Dumber style? And your potential girlfriend's on the other side of the door, but you can't leave because you're, okay, anyone ever seen Dumb and Dumber? No, you haven't? Okay. It's a 90s movie. But what we feel is in the long term, we feel the results of the compromise from the short term. That compromise will get you in the short term exactly what you want, but in the long term, it will leave you unfulfilled, hurt, and empty. This idea of compromise means this, to give in to someone or something that in the end is not worth the cost. Let me say it again. Compromise is to give in to someone or something that in the end is not worth the cost. It feels good now, but you're losing your purity. You're losing your commitment. It tastes good now, but I'm on the toilet all night. It sounds good, but I'm training myself to be a gossip. And all of the trustworthy people that I used to have around me have now, they've gone away, and I keep gossiping about them because I've trained myself 
to every time there's someone near me, I speak about them or speak about others negatively. And what I've done now is I've hindered my reputation because the compromise in the short term gets me this spicy conversation. Man, we love to do it. Love to talk about other people. We love to talk about other people's failings. We love to talk about how other people don't look or sound or talk or act like us. We love to do that. But then we wonder why all of the good people keep going the other way. And we say it's a system that's keeping me from them. No, no, no. It's your attitude and it's your disposition and it's the way that you speak about them. And they realized if you speak about someone else to me that way, you're probably speaking about me to someone else that way. So I'm going to avoid you and I'm going to find some people who instead of compromising, they live from a place of conviction. Are you with me? But instead, what we do is we train ourselves in the art of compromise. And we continually feel short-term pleasure. And we experience long-term sustainable death. Short-term pleasure. See, in this case, it was Potiphar's wife. But I would say, what in your life is pulling at your sleeve? What relationship in your life is pulling at your purpose? What sphere, what group of people, what habit is yanking on your cloak saying, come to bed with me? And see, we laugh. But some of us, we live our lives worn down by this tug. Judah Smith calls it the tug of temptation. And this temptation nonstop tugs at you. And if we're not careful, we will have trained ourselves in compromise. And it may not be today, but tomorrow compromise is coming. And we find ourselves in a place wishing that we had developed the character and conviction that it took to withstand the pressure. And I'm not trying to prophesy negativity. I will be the first to raise my hand to say I have lived in my life moments of compromise. And I'm thankful for the grace of God that resets me. But I am here to tell you that if we're not careful, we will, live, we will live lifestyles in scope where all we see is the stain of compromise. And it's not that God or anybody else looks at you as less than because the grace of God can cover a multitude of sins. But what it is to say is if we're not careful, we set ourselves up for a trajectory of more compromise because we don't have the strength that it takes to withstand the pressure. What's pulling out your sleeve? Is it the allure of a good back massager deal? Is it your integrity? Your purpose? Your calling? I remember I was, I was at uh, QFC today picking up some stuff. And Noel, I have something to confess. Um, every time I go to the store, I may or may not walk my way through the cereal aisle because I, I like good cereal. And I grew, up, I grew up deprived. My mom didn't buy the good cereal unless it was on sale. And when she did, um, it was gone that afternoon. And if my brother got home from school before I did, the box was gone before we got home. I mean, it's on the table. She's unloading the groceries. And by the time she turns around to grab it, it's gone. I know. It's sad, isn't it? So I'm a little triggered, I'm a little sad, I'm a little hurt from my past. So what do I do? I mend it with buying some good cereal when it's on sale. 
when I'm by myself at the grocery store, which is why Noel usually does not ask me to go to the grocery store, knowing that I will usually come home with nine or 10 boxes of the good cereal. And it's not healthy. It's, it's a true story. But if you know anything about QFC, is it's bad prices. So, but I was going through and looking at the sales stuff, and I see this box of, uh, a tall box of Special K with strawberries, which is my favorite cereal. Special K with red berries. I don't know why they call it red berries, because it's all strawberries. So Lynn's looking at me like, what are, who are you? It's the best cereal. And I see this tall box of cereal, and I'm like, it's only $2.97, and this is a tall box. And that's a great price. But then I pull out the box. Listen, listen. I go to grab the box, and I look at it, and the box is this thin. And I realized that what I was being sold on the surface was actually empty and void of what I was actually looking for. And some of us, what we've done is we've seen the tall box of cereal. We've seen the tall box of pleasure, partying, vaping, smoking weed, sex before marriage, purity compromise, attitudes, whatever it might be. And I'm not here to poke at stuff and make you feel bad. But what I am saying is these are tall boxes of cereal that are actually empty of the amount of cereal that you're looking for. And if you're not careful, you will purchase something that when you get home, you open it up and you realize there's less than what you thought was in there. So I look at this and there's like, I'm not buying this. It's $2.97, but it's about a dollar's worth of cereal. What's your box of cereal? See, what ends up happening is we buy this box, but we come up empty. We get brokenness. We get pain. We get hurt. Our reputation takes a step backwards. We end up experiencing like cyclical pain. We're just nonstop cycles of pain. It's just nonstop relationship after relationship after relationship, night after night after night. The party was great, but I wake up feeling empty. That moment was great, but for whatever reason, it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. And again, please hear me, because many of us have been in here, maybe even today or yesterday or this season of our lives, and we've lived lifestyles of compromise. I'm here to say that I can identify with you, and I'm here to say that there's freedom, and there's forgiveness, and there's a new start, and there's grace for you. But what I am also here to say is that living a lifestyle of compromise always sells you short. But there's a way to live from a place of conviction that not only gives you short-term pain at times, but it will give you long-term purpose, and long-term fulfillment, and long-term relationships that actually work, that leave you in the place where you can now go into other relationships and other places and give them what you've learned because you've lived a life of conviction, not of compromise. Yeah. And this is what God has called us to. Not lives of compromise, but lives of conviction. Conviction means living from a place of truth after having been convinced. And I stand here, and I don't want to say it from a place of a podium, but I will stand here after having lived a life, 34 and a half years, been married for 11 years next week, I've been in church my whole life. 
I've had moments of ups and moments of down, moments of success, moments of loss. I've had moments where I doubted and I've had moments where I was certain. I've had moments where I've seen great results and I've had moments where I questioned, am I called to this life? I've had moments where I wondered, can I do what God has placed in my heart to do? And I've had moments where I'm wondering when it's going to happen because I'm so ready for it. Right. I've had moments on the mountains. I've had moments in the valleys. I've had moments in the cave. But what I can tell you is that over time, I've seen the faithfulness of God. And I can tell you from a place of conviction and having been convinced that God is good, that he has my best at heart, that he's got purpose for my life, that he's never done working on me, that the future is better than my past, not because of me, but because of the grace of God that is living in me by the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you that he would say the same for you, that there is future for you. There's purpose for you. There's forgiveness. There's new starts. There's grace. There's money. There's opportunity. And it's not for you, but it's so that God's glory would be shown through you so that the world around you would see the goodness and the light and the presence and the love of God. Is anybody with me? So I'm not saying this from a place of simply what Scripture says. Scripture says it, and it's true. But I can tell you I've been convinced. I've seen it. I've seen it at work. I've seen the grace of God work on people and bring them from a place of brokenness and anger and hurt and having been abused and all sorts of bad stuff. And I've seen the grace of God over time work at them and say, you are now not broken. You are a work of art for the world to see my goodness shine through. I can see, say without a shadow of a doubt that God is good, that he loves you. He has a purpose for your life. And when you live from a place of conviction, man, it may cause you some short-term pain. I don't want to gloss over it. In fact, I can guarantee you what Jesus did. He said, you will, you will experience some times. There are going to be some people who abandon you because of me. There will be some people who make fun of you because of me. There will be people who leave you behind because of me. There will be people who mock you and spit on you and disagree with you and tell you that you're wrong because of me. But if you'll stand firm to the end, you will see the fulfillment that I promised you. I'm not here to say that you won't experience pain. I'm actually here to say that as a purpose of, as a result of your conviction, and I'm jumping ahead in the story, but Joseph standing up for his conviction landed him back in prison. And sometimes you will find that your response of living a life of conviction puts you in places that you never would have wished. But God has a plan in those moments, doesn't he? Because had he not been put in that place, the people that were in there would not have been ministered to, would not have found their calling, would not have had those moments of conviction, those dreams interpreted, all of these things. That had Joseph not been thrown back in prison, God would not have been able to do what he was going to do through him. So here's what I'm here to say. Your life will not always be easy, but when you look at it in scope, from the first breath to your last, you will say, God is good, God is faithful, God loved me, he loves me, and he'll always love me, and his purpose is real. That's what happens when we live from a place of conviction. I have a couple quick thoughts for you. Number one, compromise is shallow, but conviction is deep. So she took notice of Joseph. Come to bed with me. 
No, I'm not going to say that. She had these moments of flattery. Joseph, Taylor, your abs. I wish my husband had abs like you do. Nice. No one's ever said that to me. As I'm saying it, I'm like, no one's ever said that to me. And they may never. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But I'm telling you, flattery is a dangerous thing. It'll cause you to do things that you never want to do. Come to bed with me. But he refused. Your husband has entrusted like everything to me, paraphrasing, except for you. He didn't give me you. But here's what I love. It says, he's entrusted everything to me. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against, not Potiphar. How could I do a wicked thing and sin against God? What's interesting here is that Joseph acknowledges the authority of Potiphar. And then he one-ups it with the authority of God. See, here's what a lot of us do. Mom and dad are on their way home, so I can't do that. See, that's compromise. But if spirit of conviction says, mom and dad are on their way out of town. But I've resolved that I will honor my father and mother on this earth because it's the first commandment with the promise that it will go well with me, that I'll have favor on this earth, that I'll live a long life. And so I am living from a place of wanting to honor, not just do what I can get away with. You've all done it because I've done it. Watch that rated R movie. I don't know. I mean, I'm not here to say watch, don't watch, PG-13, R, whatever. But for us, we weren't allowed to watch it. So we went over to Hoel and Alberto's house, lived right next to us, and we watched a movie that we were not supposed to watch. Thankfully, my brother was the tattletale, and he went and said, Mom, Dad, Taylor watched it. He, he watched the whole thing, too. He's like, Taylor watched, which was true. He's like, Taylor watched this movie. Well, did you watch it? Yeah, but I felt bad about it. <laughs> But it's funny because there were times where I knew my parents were upstairs. I knew my parents were around the corner. I knew my parents were on their way home. I knew they could overhear me. I knew that there was someone there who if I did this thing that it would hurt my reputation. So I held off on it. I held off on doing the wrong thing as, and as if to say I was giving myself a badge of honor. Look at me. I'm not sinning right now. But I was in my heart because I was just waiting for the right opportunity to do what I wanted to do where I would have no consequence because no one would see me. This is what a lot of us do. But what Joseph understood living from a place of conviction is he, he knew who his master was. See, is your master fear of failure? Is it fear of getting caught? Or is your master the fact that you submit to a higher calling, a higher rule, a higher standard, which is the word of God. It's the spirit of God. It's him living inside of you, dwelling in you, and leading you, and guiding you, and correcting, and helping you. And I'm not here to just kind of beat down and, and make you feel like, oh, you, you're bad if you do this. I don't want to say that at all, because it's not the truth. But I, what I do want to, to encourage and challenge us with is that when we live from conviction, 
We stop making excuses and we stop waiting around the corner to do the thing that we wish we could do and we only do it when nobody's seeing. We are the kind of people that if we are alone in our room and no one will ever know, we say, I can't sin against God. I'm not going to say that thing about that person even if they never hear it because I can't sin against God. I'm not going to do that thing with that person because even though it's only between me and her, I can't sin against God. I'm not going to go to that place and be with those people and say those things and act that way, not because I will or won't get caught, but because I don't want to dishonor God who lovingly saved me and redeemed me and loves me and he's got a call on my life. And I know that if I live my life according to the calling of God on my life, though it will cause temporary pain, it will give me long-term fulfillment and purpose. Are you with me tonight? How many of you want to experience purpose in your life? How many of you want to experience compromise and short-term, like, joy and and just ease and it's happy and you feel good? Okay, just a few of you, good. What What I'm inviting us into is this idea of living not from compromise, but living from a place of conviction. Number two is this, and I'll invite the band to come forward. Number two is this, compromise thinks today, conviction thinks daily. Compromise thinks today, but conviction thinks daily. Compromise thinks, how can I get as close to sex without having it? How can I look at as many things as possible without going all the way? Conviction says, I want a healthy marriage that my kids can model their lives after. Conviction says, I want the young men in my world, when I'm a father, the ones who don't have dads, to be able to see the man that I am, the man after God's heart, and come and say, will you mentor me? Will you lead me? Will you teach me? Will you show me what my dad never did? See, conviction says, I'm not living for today. I'm living every day for tomorrow. I'm living every day for a future. I'm living every day for my calling. I'm living every day on purpose. But compromise says, I'll do whatever I feel. And this is the lie that culture sells you. This is the lie that culture sells you. Is that what you feel is important and it matters more than anything else. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do with your body or with your sexuality or with your desires or with your friends. The lie that it sells you is that by giving into your flesh, by giving into your desires, by giving into what you feel in the moment, that you will experience freedom. But it's a tall, empty box. But the truth that God sells you is tough, it's difficult. It's never easy. There will be times where you have to say no to the things that everybody else says yes to. There will be times where you don't feel it, 
but you do it because you know it's right. But when you open that box, you will experience the ever-flowing special K with strawberries. You will see endless bowls. You will see fulfillment and purpose and calling for the rest of your life. See, it's the difference between compromise and conviction. Lastly, compromise ignores the cost, but conviction counts it. Compromise ignores the cost, but conviction, conviction counts the cost. She says, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. You know what I think is interesting is that the Joseph, what got him to the pit and into slavery and into prison was a coat. And what identified his role in the palace was a coat. And it was as if to say, God had brought him from a high place to a low place and back up. It was the promise fulfilled. It was the fruition of everything that he'd hoped for. Man, I thought I was dead. But man, God, look where God brought me. Look at the dream that he's put in my heart. Look at the leadership position I have. This coat represents, it's a promise. It's like a ring. It represents something that God promised to me. And he finally gave it to me. He finally gave me everything that I've been looking for. This relationship. This thing that means so much to me. This career choice. This pathway of fulfillment. This purpose that I feel like I have. This calling. And in that moment, Joseph's faced with the challenge, a decision to make. Do I hold on to this thing? Or do I hold on to the fact that if I lose everything, I still have God? And in that moment, he let go of his call. He let go of his purpose, everything that he'd been promised. And he said, I can't sin against God. And if God has brought me here, God's brought me up, I may go down, but he's going to bring me back up because God is faithful in every season. Some of you have been chasing a dream, but there's something tugging at your cloak. Some of you are staying in the house because you feel like if you lose your coat, you lose your purpose. But I'm here to tell you that when all seems lost, if you're willing to let go of the thing that you thought was everything and grab onto the only thing that is everything, you will find the ultimate purpose and fulfillment that God has promised to you. See, it wasn't about the coat. It was about God reminding him, when you were in the pit, I was faithful. When you were on your way in the caravan to becoming a slave, I was faithful. When you made your way into the prison, I was faithful. When you were in charge of the prison, I was faithful. When I brought you to the house of Potiphar where you had the more influence than you could have ever imagined, I was faithful. And when you go back down into the pit, I'm going to be faithful again because there's more places that I'm bringing you to. And God wants to remind some of you, if you let go, he's not going to leave you hanging. If you let go of the thing that has been your identity, see, because sometimes the cloak doesn't represent bad things. 
It represents a misplaced identity. That we say that we are the athlete. We are the scholar. We are the person that if I go to this school, I will reach the identity that my mom and my dad have been parading over me saying that this is your ultimate goal. And I'm not here to say that you should quit school. I'm not here to say that you should give up on your dreams. But I am here to say that sometimes this temptation tugs at you and says, give me, give me something. Go to bed with me. Compromise. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, you know what? As much as this team matters to me, I'm not willing on Friday nights to give up my integrity and my character and compromise. I'm going to go home, and if it gives me and puts me in bad graces with the rest of my team, I don't care because God is my king, and I don't live to serve them. I live to serve God. I don't live to serve my coach. I live to serve God. I don't live to serve other people's expectations of me. I live to serve God. I don't live to serve the mold that the world has set for me to follow. I live to serve the one true God who gave everything to me. And he says, all I've got to do is as I give everything, that as I lose my life, I'll find it. Some of you, tonight what you need to do is you need to drop your cloak at the altar and say, I will run from the place of compromise and I will begin to live a life of conviction. I think there's some people in here who you know it's time for you to run. It's time for you to get out of the house and live from a place of conviction. I want you to stand all over this room, but I want you to put your Bibles down. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head. And maybe tonight, you would say that there's been something tugging at me. There's been something pulling at my sleeve. And I'm ready to let it go. I'm ready to say, I'm done compromising. I'm ready to say, no more, no more fake, no more hypocritical. No more two-faced. No more pretend worship when I don't want to live a lifestyle of worship. No more one foot in the door and one foot on the outside. No more halfway over the fence. I'm all in. I'm letting go. And I'm running towards the things of God. And if it brings me to the low places, God is faithful. If it brings me to the mountaintops, God is faithful. If I go up and down, God is faithful. If I feel abandoned, God is faithful. If I have every friend in the world, God is faithful. If I'm empty, God is faithful. And what God is reminding you tonight is, am I not good enough? Can I not bring you out of the pit and set your feet on a rock? He says, I can and I will, but you've got to get out of the house. If you're ready to run out of the house tonight, I want to invite you just right now. I'm not going to count to three. Just come right up here. We're going to work.